Sonic Statesman.com. Welcome, everybody. Sonic Talk number 67. Um, recording on the 28th of November, going live on the 29th. Um, the post-Thanksgiving episode, I trust uh, our two um, American team members, uh, Mr. PJ Tracy and Rich Hilton. I uh, hope you both had a lovely um, Thanksgiving. PJ, I know you were heading for uh, a couple of meals on Thanksgiving. How did you get through the uh, ordeal? Uh, a weekend at the gym has has <laughs> done wonders for recovery. But yeah, it was great. The food was fantastic. The company, excellent. You can't ask for better. Oh, good. Glad to hear it. I've always wondered how it kind of works because it's so close to Christmas. So you've really got to cram. You've got all this kind of excess crammed into the last quarter of the year. Unless, of course, you live like that all the time. Every day. Ah, well, yeah, it's, it's uh, nothing. Five course turkey dinner every single day. My life is nothing but a sort of Roman feast. So, Rich Hilton, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, Thanksgiving was great. I had a wonderful time. Great. Visited Arizona. I've never been to Arizona. I heard it's very hot and deserty. <laughs> It is a desert, and uh, it's a dry heat, as they like to say. A bit like um, my parents-in-law, where I'm currently staying while our bathroom gets refitted. That was a kind of dry heat, but a different kind of dry heat. <laughs> Mark Tinley is also Hello. with us. Hello, Mark. Um, you've, got, uh, you've got your son in front of, plonked in front of the DVD again. He's not getting sick of the night garden yet, then. Uh, no, we, 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 went, we went out this morning and bought some um, toy cars as well. My son happens to be downstairs as well, actually. Is he playing with a toy car? No, in fact, he's not. Uh, he, I suspect he might be a little bit uh, more advanced in years than, uh, than Mark's. Would that be yeah, correct? He's 12. Uh, okay. Yeah, he's 12. I was going to say, how come he's not at school, but you guys are uh, way behind us on Monday. It's only about 8 o'clock in the morning there, isn't it? 9 o'clock in the no, morning? No, he, he actually awoke somewhat ill today, so he's home uh, uh, ill. Well, I hope he uh, feels better soon. <laughs> Shall we get started? I know last week we, um, after we'd finished recording, we talked to PJ a little bit. He'd, uh, he's just taken delivery of a Focusrite liquid mix, which is a kind of firewire DSP console type thing, but it's a bit different to your usual DSP accelerator for kind of getting more grunt out of your your door. Um, in that it's got a kind of control interface and a dedicated sort of LCD LED readout, so you've got a bit more kind of hands-on. So, PJ, how's your liquid mix? <laughs> Uh, I love it. Um, it's a great piece of kit. Um, I find that, um, like like you said, Nick, it, it is a DSP box um, that specializes in dynamic convolution. Uh, it's made by Focusrite, but the company that developed the algorithms that are embedded inside is called Syntifex. Uh-huh. And um, it specializes in replicating... Um, Vintage and modern compression and EQ. There are currently 41 compressor models and 20 EQ models that are within the machine. Um, but Focusrite says that they'll be providing more for free download upon in their website. Well, that's not um, enough. Is that not enough? You, that's not you, enough. Have you no, run out? No, you need- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've yeah. used all of these. They're so yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everybody needs about... 100 compressors and 50 equalizers. We know this, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, I find myself gravitating towards mousing around within the on-screen interface rather than actually using the uh, the controls that are on board the box because the on-screen interface doesn't update whenever you use any of the control knobs. So you're, uh. you're constantly... Well, unless you unless you close the program and reopen it. That's not so good. Yeah, so I te- I tend to try to you know 
figure out a good setting and then and then kind of forget it. Um, I think I think the liquid mix it sounds it sounds really good. Um, I, I obviously I, I haven't owned or have experience with all of the models available, but but uh, several of them uh, in the past I I have and I have none uh, unfortunately available for direct comparison. Uh-huh. But uh, I think it nails the character of of several of the compressors that that I've had a chance uh, to use, with the exception of some of the more extreme attack characteristics that you can uh, achieve um, if you if you really push some compressors like like an LA two A or an eleven seventy six. But I but I have to say that the my my favorite is the bus compressor from uh, the SSL consoles. The, oh, okay, the like the Al Smart. Yeah, and I think that uh, it's the best implementation of that that I've yet heard. Um, I also own the Waves SSL 4000 collection, and to my ears, the Focusrite does that something to the mix that you want it to do that the Waves just doesn't seem to to quite to quite nail. Oh, that's interesting because I mean, the presume uh, Waves were talking you know extensively about how they got access to all of the kind of the development team people just to sort of say, can you check these, make sure that they're they're spot on so no, that's an interesting idea uh, i'm certainly not knocking the waves product i love it 32 channels you get out of it have you found that you can get all of that is that 32 channels of eq and compression or it is yeah when when you load an instantiation of the plugin you get an equalizer and a compressor in one instantiation um you can obviously change the order um, and you can use a, a side chain in version 2.0 um that's 32 mono channels so uh, if you want if you want to put it across a stereo channel or a bus or something like that, then you if you were using stereo instantiations, you'd only get sixteen. Uh, okay, is that enough? I mean, it sounds like it should be. It is for me for my purposes. It is because I'm using kind of a long in the tooth um, Athlon sixty four, and I've just ganged it up to my laptop so that I don't have to do this anymore. If I'm doing um, you know, some, something that requires hundreds of tracks, like a bit, like a big orchestral piece or something like that. I find myself doing a lot of freezing and bouncing anyway. So this this saves me from having to do that. I did email uh, Focusrite this morning because I did read on the website that there's actually a card um, that you can plug in to ex- to increase the amount of DSP, so you can get work with higher sample rates and keep the the thirty two channels of processing yeah uh, i've read that as well as a matter of fact some of the local retailers were offering it as a as a throw-in unfortunately after after, after you bought yours yeah of course yeah exa- exactly just the, ain't like that the always the way yeah <laughs> yeah i was wondering because I, I mean i was thinking obviously if you can plug extra dsp in it does that mean if you're not using it at higher sample rates you get more dsp that to i don't go know around? yeah yeah i, I couldn't find that out either so um rich are you familiar with the Focusrite stuff? I mean, I imagine you probably work in mostly in the sort of digi and um, DSP world of, of the, the TDM farm stuff, are you? I mostly work in TDM and such, but I had looked at this when it was first released because I thought it looked like a really outstanding product if the emulations were up to par. And listening to PJ speak so highly of them um, leads me to believe that this is a really outstanding product for the money for somebody who really wants to put a whole bunch of really excellent compressors, you know, like plug-in, basically. You could run this thing as a sidechain, basically as one 32-channel plug-in. And uh, apparently, if you add DSP to the thing, you do get more channels at the higher sample rates. That's the whole point of their expansion. Right. I just, yeah, I was wondering whether or not you get more at the lower sample rates. Do you see what I mean? So you could... I, well, I'm sure it gets applied somewhere. I would think you yeah. get more mixed channels. Yeah, I, I maybe would, so. I would guess. So what does it cost in the U.S.? 
Now, Sweetwater's got it at eight hundred bucks. What? What? Did you, um, so, so I assume it's probably less than that on the street. Yeah, yeah. I I paid uh, just a a little under six. Wow, that's pretty good because it's still yep. kind of five hundred and UK pounds, which is kind of close to the thousand bucks mark, which is kind of crazy because it's a UK company. So I'm sure you can get it cheaper. I know, sounding a bit like a kind of focus right love fest, but uh, I'm just wondering because <laughs> what what do you are you do you use the Smart Rich? I mean, I know that the kind of SSL final compressor bus compressor is is a is a very well used kind of final stage for a lot of people. Is that something that you find you use? I don't use it. It, it sounds lovely. I don't have a problem with it at all. But uh, across the years with software, I've had v- various things residing on my master fader, and uh, never has it been an API emulator uh, or an SSL emulator. Uh, late, lately, it's uh, Colin McDowell's ML4000. Yeah, I've heard some really good stuff about that. In fact, we um, I think we did a, a, a demo of it from one of the shows earlier last year, um, and I was very impressed with it. The kind of the transparent compression stuff is amazing. I mean, it's kind of, you just, even with really heavy limiting or heavy compression, you just can't tell it's happening, which is, or, you know, right. it's got very few artifacts, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah he's, he is McDSP. And, okay. and it has some more extreme settings as well, where you, if you want it to be present and obvious, yeah. you can make that happen. So it's really, a, it's a great plugin. But uh, the SSL is legendary and sounds great, and I've, I had heard that the Waves was very good, so when PJ tells me that this thing sounds as good or better, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of bang for your 600 bucks. Well, yeah, just a, a, the Waves 4000 is probably going to cost you a similar amount to the, uh, the Focusrite, is that right? Yeah, easily. Yeah. Here, you know, here in the States, I, I think I paid about 500 for the Waves SSL 4000. 4, wow. And uh, I think that you know, yeah, the focus right winds up being better bang for the buck, and the the distressor emulation in the focus right is amazing as well. Oh well, that's some, I've never had my hands on a distressor, but I've heard they're really hot. Sounds great, great on drums. Mm-hmm. Ah, cool, Mark. Yeah, Mark, great. you're very quiet. Have you uh, are you familiar with any of the uh, focus right stuff? I mean, you must have had some focus right plugs across the, uh, the your TDM bus at some point. I don't want to listen to another one. <laughs> he doesn't want to listen to them. <laughs> oh dear! What's that phrase? <laughs> Do not like focus right. There's the DVD worn thin. Just you go through, and I'll come through in a minute. We'll put that on. I don't have much to say about focus right. Actually, the only thing I've got, which is DSP in a box, is that Line Six UX2, and that also works as a plugin. But if I'm doing anything at all that um that I need to give to anyone else, I just bounce it and give them stems. So yeah, that seems to be the best solution to, to giving. Maybe. I mean, if you give anybody anything that that you've used plugins for to make a specific sound you don't know if they've got the plugins or not you can't really guarantee that they're going to hear what you're hearing can no, you? so it's sort not. of important yeah how do you find the latency pj do you have to have you tried applying it across any real-time instruments or any kind of inputs yeah uh if you if you apply it across real-time instruments you you will get noticeable latency right um but uh cubase which i work in generally has latency compensation so for mixing that's not a problem which is great because i don't have to go through and adjust you know each track um you know one one thing i would i would comment on though um and this might this might sound like a bit of a niggle but it is one i guess um as much as i love this uh you know something like the focus right liquid mix which i mean has helped helped me tremendously you know breathe new life into a long in the tooth system add more character to my mixes 
Um, it's just a, it's a better all around tool than anything that I currently own. Uh-huh. Um, when you look at the reviews in the magazines and the trade magazines, almost uniformly they'll give you know the the liquid mix specifically something like a nine or a ten out of ten. And I don't know if that's valid because I don't think that you know I think if you set this hardware up against or this uh, software up against its hardware component um, hardware counterparts, it's not going to be a one to one comparison. I mean, no, sure. yeah, I mean it simply does fall short. I mean, it's it's great. It's the closest thing that that my ears have heard to to really nailing that hardware sound, but it's not by any means perfect. And so I wonder if you if you kind of sell this thing to a new generation of of audio engineers as being the end all be all, and you know it replaces definitively two and a half million dollars worth of uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, hardware. I, I I think that that's a a bit of a a leap. How close does it have to be? You know, I mean, Rich, presumably, I mean, you've got hardware as well. I mean, would you always reach for the hardware given the choice or are there some instances where it just makes much more sense to use the software? I tend to work in the box once the signal's in the box. Okay. That's my current work paradigm and has been for a long time. So uh, that said, I don't think, I think that if you're a guy at home with a DAW and you want to improve the quality if you like the quality of this dsp i think this is a great product and i think for 600 bucks to have 32 channels of all of these emulations is pretty impressive on a uh, sound quality per channel basis sure and i also understand the point about not being exactly like an api eq or not being exactly like whatever compress you know the crane song track or whatever it's supposed to, you know whatever it's emulating i'm just in the interest of balance you can also go for something from uf universal audio which is uh, a similarly priced i mean it's the same ballpark same bracket i guess and also there's the ssl duendo which gives you um good emulations of the channel dynamics and the bus compressor and all of those things so well worth checking out I think I got this from Derek Warren, who's a long-term listener of the uh, show. Hi, Derek. Um, glad you're enjoying it. I'm glad you sent us this because it's – I checked this out. This is a company called Retrodata who uh, just basically posted something on their website saying, you know, we're getting a lot of people who are coming to us with croaked 2.5-inch Seagate drives that are coming out of the uh, Apple PowerBooks. And this is the Seagate 2.5-inch and it's a firmware revision 7.01 SATA interface. So I just thought, oh, well, I'll go and check this out just in case. And guess what? Guess who's got a 7.01 revision SATA interface 2.5-inch drive in his computer? That'd be me. So uh, thanks, Derek. Um, I think it's important. But they're basically saying um, they're receiving quantities of these drives for recovery and nearly all display the same cause of failure. The read-write heads appear to fail mechanically, quickly causing deep scratches in the platter surface and rendering the drives practically unrecoverable. Should you have one of these drives in your system, we believe the problem is serious enough to warrant copying all your data off the drive and replacing it with an alternative drive. Anybody else got one of these? I've got a Hitachi one, apparently. Few. Rich. I just checked my, uh, mine yesterday when I saw this, and uh, I've got a Hitachi in mine. Funnily enough, I don't know whether they go in Mac Minis as well, but uh, my Mac Mini died this morning, and it's, I think the drive is dead, so... I'm, uh, I think this is something that's well worth taking seriously. Um, but my next question was, so but how do I clone my drive so I don't have to reinstall everything? Is there anything I could use for that? Does anyone know about it? Yeah. yeah. Carbon copy cloner. I've got, uh, you, can use, you can also use the operating system, the Apple operating system. Will it clone my um, Windows XP partition as well? 
The boot camp partition. I, I don't believe that it will. Ah, uh, that's what I need, you see. I need them to do I need to do both because I don't really want to install that as well. Mark, does carbon copy cloner work across a boot camp partition? Oh no, I'm not sure. I just I mean I know that it copies all of my you know, everything like uh, cookies and passwords and I mean every single thing about this machine got co- I, I copied it onto an external drive and booted from it by mistake and didn't realize I was actually running from the external drive for quite some time when I was looking for a file and it wasn't on the desktop I suddenly thought hang on a minute so it's pretty pretty good for cloning the OSX partition yeah, yeah I, I use I use that as well but like I say I need I need kind of I guess what I need is a bit copy of the drive and then I can increase the partition yeah. size or something I, I need to the new carbon copy cloner claims to do a bit copy of the internal drive to an identically sized external uh, drive. Uh, so if you can get an external drive that is essentially the same model as the one that's in your computer, then I believe, and now you'd have to check, uh, I believe it's Bombitch. Yeah, I've got it. I've got a Bombitch software, yeah. You have to check him out and see if he claims to include whether or not the, the bootcamp partition will work as well. Mm. Apple uh, Disk Utility has a function that's kind of poorly named called Restore, where if you drag your uh, the drive to be restored, you drag you drag your internal drive, and the drive to which to restore, you drag your external drive, and you hit Go, and it makes a bootable clone with just I mean with the same result as Carbon Copy Cloner, where everything works and everything's exactly the same. Oh. I think I better try that because maybe if at least if I don't have to reinstall the operating system and all the tools, then I can. Uh, just uh, grow the partition. It, they'll both work just as well. Carbon Copy Cloner works really well, too. Thanks, Rich. I do this at least monthly on my Studio DAW, my laptop, and my home computer, and I try to get to Niles as often as possible. It doesn't usually work out to be monthly. I create clone drives every month. I believe if you use Carbon Copy Cloner to do the block-level copy to the identical drive, that you can do it as an incremental backup. Right. Hey, and if anybody's out there that knows um, of a similar program for the PC, I'd be very interested in that. So if some if somebody well, wants I've to used write Norton it. Ghost. Yeah, I've Norton. used Norton Ghost. I don't know if I think I've booted from the external drive. Windows doesn't much like booting off a of FireWire in general. Yeah. In my experience, um, maybe if I had USB drives around, it would be different. But uh, I don't know if it's a bootable clone. But I do have the Ghost emergency disk that'll supposedly boot me if my excuse me if my internal drive goes dead and allow me to use my uh backup to restore my internal drive or a new internal drive yeah i think that we've we've used norton ghost to uh take a backup of of drives before um on our pc side but Uh, on some level those people suck because you sign up for life they want more money yeah you do Dealing with I can't Norton get rid is, of their virus protection a, software that's embedded in my system. I, I don't even yeah. know where to get it out. I think there's an uninstaller for that. Yeah, sure. I, I, I ran the uninstaller, <laughs> and it, it, won't, it won't go for it. I need to get somebody in here that can edit it, my I have to ask you for 70 bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to you get rid of this? It costs you this much. I guess it has to be insistent, though, doesn't it? I mean, it's kind of because if you don't keep it up to date, there's sort of no point in having it. I highly recommend AVG as antivirus software for the, for windows it's very unobtrusive it's free and it does a bang job of catching every threat oh, avg okay. so, you say yep avg i highly recommend clamzav sentry for mag i haven't got anything on mine actually i probably should that's probably why my drive's going to go down 
It won't go down. So I've got my new drive coming. I'll let you know how it goes. Hopefully um, I can do a straight copy across. I may have to reinstall XP. That'll just be one of those things. It's not the end of the world. I only need to install my um, door editing stuff on it, I guess. And Sonic Talk. Sponsored by Yamaha Music Production. Producers of the world's most popular digital mixing consoles. Accurate professional studio monitoring systems. Incredibly realistic and portable digital stage pianos. The versatile motif range of music production synthesizers. And the latest N-Series digital mixing studios. Featuring the cleanest signal pump and full Cubase AI4 integration. www.yamahasynth.com Sonic Talk. To quantize or to not, this was uh, came from, I was just sort of rooting through the KVR audio forums. Uh, and I saw um, to quantize or not, which was a topic there. And uh, I just wondered, you know, how how people approached it. Because obviously, you know, PJ, you're a great player. Rich, you're a great player. Mark, I know you can play well too. And I just wondered whether or not, because I mean, when I first started out using sequencers, I mean, the quantization was essential because I couldn't play. So it had to work that way. And also the music we were doing at the time was very much in that mode. And I just wondered how you approach that now. PJ, have you got a kind of rule of thumb you tend to use or how does it work for you? Well, first of all, thank you for the compliment. I uh, it depends entirely on the style of music. Um, generally, if I'm if I'm doing something that's organic, or I, I'm playing a piano or an organ part or a synth part or something like that, I'll tend not to quantize. But if I'm writing an electronic cue for somebody, you know, anything house, drum and bass, anything that requires note perfect quantiz- quantization, I will. I will definitely do that. Or if I'm doing something that's predicate on a drum loop, I might take the feel of the drum loop and apply that quantize to the bass part. Um, you know, depending on the, it, it, it's all style dependent for me. So when <clears throat> I read through that KVR forum and I thought a lot, a lot of people were emphatically against quantizing, and I thought, well, they, they must not be, you know, working in any electronic genre whatsoever because so, so much of the, you know, genre electronic is is dependent upon specific types of quantizing i guess it depends on the genre i mean that's the thing i found the last album i worked on and i was kind of i found myself wanting to not quantize because i wanted to get a bit more of a performance aspect into it and that kind of it definitely changes the feel i mean it makes it all a bit more living i suppose i've, yeah, never, I've but- never really got into kind of the application of one groove to another and groove quantization in that sense maybe i should look into it a bit more but you know what's really fantastic for that is I, I picked up Reason 4, and um, they have this new groove mixer yeah. that's incorporated in there. And for, for electronic music, for imparting certain feels to electronic music, I think that there's not a better tool out there. It's, it's, really, it's really intuitive. It's really fast. You can experiment. Um, you know, if, that, if, that's what, if that's what you want to do. If, if quantizing is necessary to the styles of music that you're making, it's a, it's a really fantastic tool for that. That being said, when I, whenever I just play uh, emulating um, orchestras or anything like that, uh, quantizing usually doesn't come into play. I'll just retake something until I like the feel of it. Uh-huh. Or in the case of doing you know, orchestral emulations, it's pretty dependent upon the library because the attack yeah. transients certain samples are different and so you have to go in and kind of fudge around the notes manually in the piano editor role and and uh you know make sure that everything lines up correctly i mean rich i guess you're working a lot with kind of played stuff so i mean do you find that i I know you know say you take a drummer drummer plays in time it's almost like a sort of norm isn't it to take the drum kit and just kind of 
tying it up, doc, uh, Dr. Groove, what's it called, Dr. Beat, Beat Doctorate, or, you know, whatever you, your choice of weaponry is. I mean, do you find you, you spend much time doing that kind of stuff? Yes. <laughs> it's no it's no secret. I'm just wondering how, you know, why, what, what for, I suppose? Is the, what is the thinking Be- behind having to do that? Because you can then freely move bits of playing from place to place and never have to think about whether or not they're going to line up with what's there already. Um, that's one reason, as, yeah. it's, as it's been explained to me. Um, in my case, if it were up to me, I, where you're recording the, the combined contribution of a number of human beings at the same time, I am all in favor of not quantizing and working until it's right and getting the pocket right between the players. Sure. Where you're working in any other environment, where you're overdubbing endlessly and uh, individual contributions are being made one at a time and perhaps the entire record is built up in a montage style like that, quantization is your friend. And uh, boy, has Ableton Live made a, a big living on it when you think about it. Because, and, and all of that elastic audio paradigm stuff and you know, starting back with Recycle and the propeller heads. It's, uh, yeah, it's essential to many types of current pop music and where you don't have a room full of guys grinding it out together in real time, it's incredibly valuable and useful. The trick is, at least in my life, to not make it sound that way. Yeah. Unless you're doing specifically the kind of dance type music that, uh, PJ was referring to a little earlier, um, in the case of taking what should sound like a live event whether even though it wasn't to be to begin with um in that case where you're quantizing it really in my view it shouldn't sound that way it should be invisible it's more sleight of hand than and and there are times where i leave things and just fix the bits that are really messing or or rubbing in places where the rhythm's important that's pretty hard though because as soon as you mess with one thing everything else starts to kind of be affected so you might have to do a few beats around the beat you're trying to to shape in order to accommodate that edit. But um, I have done less than whole tracks. In other words, there are, there are only certain places where it's, you know, driving me nuts. And so I'll just fix that bit and not the whole thing. But typically in my work at the studio and uh, certainly in my experience with my dear friend, Mark Tinley, boy, was I quantizing the heck out of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Just a man that taught me how to quantize things in Pro Tools manually going through it 16th note by 16th note like you know minutes and minutes of drum can take you hours and hours and hours and oh, i suppose God, yeah. my best example of that is uh used to be friends on the dandy warhols album i quantize the drums on that 16th note by 16th note and they do sound really good i have to say and it doesn't sound quantized either but it is but it is very 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 tight absolutely spot on well there was that whole thing wasn't it because there was the strokes which kind of were the first um kind of really tightly pro tooled kind of guitar band you know in terms of just absolutely nailed i mean it almost sounded like it was sequenced digi design have kind of now taken pro with elastic audio to uh, 7.4 you know they've taken that to an another degree of of manipulation and it sounded great. I mean, I don't know if anyone saw, you know, we did talk about the demo, didn't we, from AES that were mm-hmm. um, in New York. And it was very, very impressive. Is that what I have now? Is it after upgrading my DigiDesign program? Seven, 7.4 includes the Elastic Audio feature. I've been playing with it right. for the last couple of weeks and trying what to get it. What do you think of it, Rich? It's extraordinarily powerful. Um, it works very well. Uh, it's, I'd have to wrap, 
my head around it a little deeper to understand how you could use it like Ableton if you wanted to in terms of capturing live things while other things were playing. But in terms of the way you can process things, and actually the guy's demo does show that kind of behavior where you're recording things live in real time, putting things in and out of record and stuff. But uh, it, it's great. It's really impressive and I'm still learning it. Um, it's very powerful. And the, the whatever stretching and narrowing of time is going on seems to be fun pretty much... Uh, yeah, until you go really big and stretch, it's pretty nice. And actually, even then, you can adjust. It's got sort of a gate time control that allows you to adjust the spaces between the events, sort of envelope them so that you don't hear the bad transitions. Does it require a full-on TDM system, an HD system, in order to take advantage of all of the aspects of that elastic audio, or could you buy an LE system as a secondary system just to take advantage of that. Do you know offhand? It runs in LE. I mean, you can run, it, it will run in LE as far as I understand. It's not pure. I mean, TDM is obviously going to give you a big advantage, but uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, when we saw the demo, it was for LE systems too. And it, an advantage in simply DSP or an advantage in feature set as well, because I know Digi's been known to, to truncate the LE systems severely in the past. Uh, I don't know, but the word I'd use for what they do to their LE so- systems is cripple them. And there you go. Drives, yeah. I, I use truncate. You say cripple. I like that. <laughs> Cripple's good. But the videos that on the uh, DigiDesign website of that brilliant fellow. Phil Jackson. Yeah, demonstrating those features. Uh, I'm, I'm not done studying them yet because he's just brilliant and there's a lot in there that it'll do. Well, um, there's one question answered. Now, I believe Mark um, doesn't have such happy news with Digi. If you, he was telling me before that we uh, came to record that he was having a little trouble with his system. Uh, what, what's been going on, Mark? I got asked to uh, make a copy of uh, uh, Masters from the Duran Duran Rio album, and they wanted each individual song uh, separately as a separate master. So I thought, okay, easy. I'll bang that into my LE system, load it up, and, and just cut the songs out from... The, the original master and you know simple couple of hours work about four hours later <laughs> i'm still trying to get it to run on my machine and having upgraded various different versions of it from 7.2 to 7.3 then to 7.3.2 or something and then it refusing to load i eventually conceded and thought, well, it's only £30 for the upgrade, and I've wasted you know, more, more of my time than that's worth not to do it, so I should just buy it, even if it's only for this one thing, right? So I go on their website, I buy the upgrade, £30. So there's this promotional deal, they, uh, which insists that they give me this plug-in. I can't not have it, but I have to pay £5.99 postage for that. So it gets to the end. So it's not £30 to upgrade in the end. It's 37 No, it's not very much money. But I did, you know, I felt sort of annoyed because I bought something I didn't want and, and had spent money I didn't want to spend. So I eventually get the damn thing loaded and get it working and everything. All the menus come up in Japanese. Oh, I can't no. understand any of it. Can't get, can't do the work still, right? <laughs> So I ring up DigiDesign, and they're saying to me, well, you, you know, did you install it in Japanese language? And I'm like, no, I didn't. And they said, well, try uninstalling it and reinstalling it. And I'm like, I've already done that twice because I thought, you know, that could help. So eventually, the only thing I can do is to turn all the languages in my computer off except for English. And eventually it loads in English. And the mm-hmm. guy at DigiDesign says, I have all the languages switched on on mine. I don't understand why you're having this problem. So... So I do all the work, right? Yesterday morning, white van pulls up outside the house, 
And it's the thing from DigiDesign, which they've sent by UPS from Ireland, and I don't know why they couldn't just use regular post and charge me a pound or whatever it would have cost. Anyway, there's a disc inside, and it's snapped in half. So oh, that's the I've one you pay the extra bucks for. What OS are you running on that machine? Yeah. Oh, 10.4.8, I think. Was it installed from what digi- what Apple calls a combo updater, or was it sta- installed through the software update little box that comes up every week or two? No, I downloaded a combo update. Well, I didn't. I downloaded the Intel updater for it. But, but there are combo updaters for Intel and, nor- and non-combo updaters. DigiDesign only recommends using the combo updater. I don't know if that's going to help you through the, through the software portion of your problem. But, well, that uh, might be it. There are two Intel versions. There's the one that comes up when you just run software update under the Apple, and, and that's available on their website. And then yeah. there's what they call the combo updater to a particular revision. Now, I believe they're all authorized, yeah, through point eight, you know, Tiger point eight. So uh, if you go get a combo updater and overlay it on your current installation, things may start running more groovy. Well, I should go back and actually load... Uh, load Pro Tools not in anger instead of you know rushing to do something I should have finished hours ago and needing to get to the post office in 10 minutes. I should go and reload Pro Tools and, and enjoy this new feature that I've got for a mere £30, right? And uh, that's good, right? <laughs> yeah. Same it's they good. can't send me elastic CDs in the post that don't snap. Uh, <laughs> Dulcet tones of uh, Norman Fairbanks, and his uh, he's released a pure Tenorion album, which is kind of quite an achievement, really. And I don't know what anybody else thought of that. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it, but it's actually quite pleasant and quite sort of it's very ambient and sort of um, um, you know uncomplicated. But it's um, it was nice. PJ, you said you'd had a listen. What did you think? Um, I like the textures and the tones a lot, um, and uh, some of the some of the motifs. Um, it is ambient, it is pleasant, but it is also extremely repetitive, um, I guess is, is what, what yes, I would say. I think that's a fair, a fair comment. <clears throat> but it gives an insight into what's possible with the Tenorion, and it, it, what it suggests to me is that the Tenorion would be a great device for specific types of textures. And um, they're textures that, personally, I'm, I'm very much drawn to. I like those kind of dulcet bell tones and small squeaky drum noises and and things like that i i appreciate those sounds a lot so the tonorian would be i think a it's fun a, it's interesting actually because he didn't sound like i listened to the rest of the album and it didn't actually sound like he had um imported any samples into it or anything which kind of would have given it a different flavor so i don't know whether he kind of specifically limited his palette just to do that um or not but um that's one thing that you can do which obviously changes things fairly radically one thing I noticed is it sound it sounded um similar to some of the music that was being that was produced by the Tonorion's developer. 
Um, I watched all the videos that you did with that developer, right? Um, the Japanese developer of the Tenorion, and, and uh, Fairbanks's music seemed similar in a way, and I, I didn't know if the, if if that was due to the fact that the the Tenorion has such a um, you know a stated interface. There's such a certain way that you can work with it that um, you're going to lean into certain types of um, of scalings and, and and harmonies, you know, based on based on the way it it presents itself as a user interface or whether it was that he was sort of doing an homage. I, I, mm, I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I, when in my review, I mean, the one thing I did say is like, you know, how are you going to sound different to anyone else? And I think maybe that's yeah. a, a fair illustrative point of how one might not. I mean, they're both well accomplished and obviously this has had a lot of thought going into, whereas, you know, the guy who was demonstrating, uh, Yunishibori was, you know, was kind of doing it on the fly. Okay, there were probably demos that he'd done a hundred times before, but this has been, this has been deliberated over, you know, put together, tweaked, edited, whatever he had to do to kind of before he finally released a finished. I'm happy with this product, and if it still has a similar kind of sound world, then um, that's sort of quite indicative of of that whole kind of issue that I, that I, I guess. Yeah, and so then the Tenorion may not be the end all be all for you know creating fantastic new soundscapes that are variable and and uh infinite i mean it's it's kind of it's and and maybe that's really sort of its design philosophy it's a specific instrument i think so i mean i think one of the things that they always kind of say or when i've spoken to peter peck who's very much sort of in charge of the kind of uk launch and the whole sort of flavor of the way of the instrument is you know don't expect it to be a kind of revolutionary new instrument it's it's a revolutionary new interface in a lot of ways but it's not expecting to to kind of solve the world's problems and kind of bring a whole new genre of music into place but uh, it was a pleasant record i mean rich did you get a chance to listen yeah i listened to a little bit of it and uh it's very interesting it sounds like norman had a heck of a time i mean it just sounds like a fun thing to sit with and create um as far as the way i could see injecting it into anything I was doing, I would. I guess you just have to sample it and play with the components in it. In it. But I understand what Norman did here, and it was a lot of fun. And I bet he had a great time, and it sounds good to me. And a, a great piece of marketing because uh, we all get to listen to it as well. And he, I mean, he gave it away free, which uh, I don't know what his other music is, right. uh, what it's like, whether it's yeah. a similar flavor. But actually, I was listening to some of his other music too, and it's not actually similarly flavored. Yeah, I mean, I think um, the there was a good interview on uh, Create Digital Music, um, which with Norman, just a, they they posed him five questions about you know what he made of the whole thing, and uh, I must admit he did, it, he he was sort of intellectualizing quite a lot in the answers he gave, in that he didn't actually answer any of them particularly straightly, but um, I think you know the proof is in the pudding. It's a nice piece, but as you say, PJ, I think it is quite repetitive and it does occupy a very specific sound world. I know Mark didn't get a chance to listen to it, so uh, probably not going to get too much out of him on the subject, unless he has a... I didn't listen to it, but I'm just looking at his website, and there's this whole thing about Jesus appeared. Yes, I think it was to do with um, a moment that he had uh, somewhere in LA. There is a story about that. I should have probably researched it, but that, it, it immediate, you immediately think maybe it's kind of re- has his music has a sort of religious angle, but I don't think it is anything to do with that. No, not, I don't that think it is. not that there'd be a problem with that, but um, if if it's the sort of thing that might make you kind of think, oh, I'm not, this isn't for me, then look a bit deeper and have a listen anyway, because it's it, it isn't. If you see what I mean. <laughs> How do you say that without offending at least somebody? His music is very ecumenical. I don't know what that means, PJ. You'll have to tell me. That means all-inclusive. Okay. So, for instance, if you're one, part of one religion and you reach out to another, you're an ecumenicalist. 
I think that's probably a good thing. Um, while we're on the subject of little nifty little gadgets, Chaosolator. Oh, what looks cool? What have I missed? What the, am I? What are you talking about? The Korg Chaosolator, <laughs> which is the little <laughs> little yellow kind of scratch uh, touchpad thing, which just has a load of kind of pre-programmed radius kind of technology affected synths and various other voices in there. Very uh, with also, but also with a two-bar loop recorder in it just that's based on sort of sample ram so it's not it's not a sequencer it's very well programmed and really good fun but it's not a tenorion and i don't the only, that's where the comparison should end i think it's a lot cheaper though yeah than right tenorion. yes yeah. uh, considerably it's uh, i don't know what it is in the u.s but in the uk i think street price is about 100 pounds which is kind of nice and i've yeah. been having a blast with it i have to say yeah. it really is good fun it looks really I, cool i saw one of these and immediately started calling to find out if i could get one uh, oh cool you haven't got it one looks, yet, have you, Rich? No, no, no. I haven't seen. I'd never seen it before. I looked at the uh, the show prep, and it's it looks amazing. Yeah, it looks really cool. Did you send that to, in the notes then? Or, yeah, I or did. It just... It's at the bottom. There it is at the bottom. Oh, yeah. sorry. Something has to be at the bottom, and this was 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 it. <laughs> <laughs> Missed it completely. But okay. I, su- I, su- I suppose you know, if, just very briefly before we go. Um, the sort of wider concept is, you know, things like the Chaosolator, things like the Tenorion, things like, you know, whatever. And do you, does any of you have like a little musical thingamajig that you kind of sometimes turn to for a bit of fun that's just, you know, that kind of gets something moving for you? Yes. Mark, what is it? I do, actually. Mine's a Yamaha QY20. Oh, okay. The and little the sequence thing. The reason why I like it is because it's got no onboard DSP, so it doesn't have any reverb in it or any... Uh, uh, delay or any of that stuff that eats batteries. So you can bung a set of six AA batteries in it and it'll run for about 40-odd hours. Oh, that's so if you're usual. on a flight going somewhere and you want to do you know, music and work ongoingly on ideas without your laptop conking out, then it's absolutely perfect. Although I, I guess they've got um, power in seats on planes now on some of them, haven't they? But- Not the sort of flights I take. <laughs> and because I'm familiar with all the sounds and there's only a hundred sounds, I find that um, you know, my choice of sound being more limited means that I need to work I, I have to work much more on the melodies that I'm writing and you know, my focus becomes music as opposed to production and uh, for that reason it's just a really good thing. Oh, that's, yep, I like the sound of that. Rich, how about you? Um I, I've played with the QYs and they're great fun, as Mark says. I never really relied on one of these things for any kind of creative stimulation. I did, I do remember sitting in the backseat of my parents' car with a Casio VL tone and cool. having a blast across a long <laughs> car ride. I don't, I don't, but this Chaosolator thing really interests me. I, I could see playing around with this thing. It's very cool. PJ. What about you? What do you reach for? I guess you're going to say a piano, aren't you? That's pri- that's primarily it these days. Yeah, I yeah. used to have an MC505, a Roland MC505, and I and I don't know why I got rid of that thing. I I loved it. It was fantastic. You could just sit in the corner of a room and make, you know, anything you wanted. It had a JV sound set in it, an expanded JV sound set. Everything was automatable. It was a beautiful piece of kit, and I sold it. Why oh hmm. why oh why? <laughs> Exactly. I don't. Have I don't to have know. A look so, on eBay. Yeah, maybe you can buy it back at a kind of only a slightly more than you sold it for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially now that we've hyped it up, right? But <laughs> yeah, sure. I think I'm, I'm, I just installed Reason on my laptop, and I'm hoping that 
um, once I get into the habit, the groove, so to speak, of using that on a day-to-day basis, that that might that might do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had a thing called a Roland MV30 for a while, which was really, really nice, actually. They probably sell for about 50 quid now, I should imagine. Yeah, thanks to Roland, you know, releasing a new groove box every two months, I think I might be able to get a good deal on a 505. Yeah, why not? Yes. Well, what are we up the to? Hyph- 1111 right. now, are we, or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay guys well thank you very much for sharing your time with me this afternoon and uh well morning for you guys in the u.s Uh, so uh, pj tracy in minneapolis thank you very much for joining me hope you have a great day and um, you can continue to work off the thanksgiving dinners yes i will do thanks a lot nick it was a real pleasure to join you guys this morning and thanks much no problem and rich hilton also uh, in connecticut um, thank you for joining us, and I'm glad you had a lovely break at Thanksgiving. And um, the work is new and fresh, and um, you know, doing all those things that you can you can do when you've had a break. Yeah, it's new all over again. It's all exciting. And thank you, gentlemen. I had a great time. And Mark Tinley, thank you for joining us again this week. I'm glad to hear that uh, your son has been mostly occupied with the uh, the movies. Yeah, you've we're been on shown. a different video though. We're we're on cars at the moment. Yeah, Lightning McQueen. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I'm glad it's working. So remember, if you need any other stuff, I've got some uh, Peppa Pig. I've got some, um, you know, I've got some stuff I can, some good shit, man. You have to be very careful. (laughs) I had this this huge conversation with my daughter about licensing uh, laws and all this sort of stuff. And she was going, so, Dad, if I buy somebody a CD for Christmas and I give it to them, is that okay? And I'm like, yep, that's okay. What about if I lend it to my friend? I'm going, well, actually, technically, no, that's not okay. You have to get permission. And she's trying to explain all the licensing laws to her. So you have to be careful what you say and do because you're, you're going to have to give them to me, aren't you? Well, of course, gift. that's what I meant, obviously. <laughs> well, I'm glad we got that clear. Um, thanks, guys. And um, look forward to next week. And remember, folks, comments are always welcome. We'll be happy to read them out or play them or however they arrive. Uh, you can email them at, to sonictalk at sonicstate.com. We can just take words or MP3s. Or if you've got Skype, uh, you can call us on Sonic Talk, the handle Sonic Talk. Oh, we've got an answer phone there. Just leave us a message. Uh, we've got Skype in numbers in the US for that. Uh, so dial 312-376-8089 if you're inside the US. Or if the UK is closer or you're in the UK, 0207-870-8616. Remember to dial your country code for those of you outside either of those countries. That's US telephone number 312-376-8089, UK 0207-870-8616. Thanks for listening. Sonic. States. Rob's call.